This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It was a fine weekend for the Clarets as they managed to sting the Hornets. Brownell was Burnley's rocket man in a 2-1 victory. This is the No Name Ever podcast. So good evening, listeners, and welcome to the Known In Ever podcast. I'm filling in for Natalie this evening as your host. Tonight with us, we've got our two regular panellists. We've got George Poole and Tom Whitaker. How are we, gents, this evening? Very well, thanks, Rich. I'm amazed after that time we had in the way and on Saturday. I'm amazed that I'm still standing. Fantastic, I know. Well, this is... So, yeah, Saturday was a fantastic day. Uh, I managed to see Tom at the end of the game. Um, I noticed him and his dad when we were doing the Super Michael Jackson uh, chant. So, you know, emotions were high. We were in fine spirits. Um, not too happy with George, if I'm being honest, listeners. So, George messaged me on Thursday with a picture of a pub, with the Oddfellows pub, as I'm, as I'm sure some listeners was in. Do you want to meet at half 12? Because, like, great, I'll meet George at half 12. It meant he had to get up earlier on the Saturday morning, it meant he had to rush all my family out of the house when we don't see each other loads, because obviously my cousin lives in London. And then George just went, oh, I'm not bothered to come and see you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying myself in another pub. So how do you legislate for that then, George? Do you just ditch me off then? There's, there's definitely, there's definitely um, legislation here. You know, th- there is circumstances that meant I, I was unable to, to join Rich because I had to pick up a ticket elsewhere. Uh, and then once you picked a ticket up, you know you, you, you sort of just you sort of just in that in that in that in that sort of pub. So yeah, it turned out that we didn't leave that pub until far too late, until like twenty to three, and we ended up getting in there just after kickoff. So it honestly, Rich, it wasn't as good without the odd fellows. We even walked past it on the way, and I thought, oh bugger, Rich is in there. But what was. do you think about that, Tom? Just deserting me. It's not it's not good for a fellow podcaster, is it? I can't really say it because I was stuck in a traffic jam getting into Watford for about 45 minutes, so I didn't see anything <laughs> either. But, uh, yeah, the, the less you yeah. use, the better. Not just yeah, getting into Watford, getting into the ground. It's always a nightmare at Vicarage Road. 
No, but uh, anyway, once we got to the ground, it was a fantastic atmosphere in that away end. I, you know, I've been trying to wrap my brains and, you know, we, you know, under the Sean Dice reign in particular, you know, we've had some amazing um, games, but I can't really remember going to a game with the same emotion as that. Burnley aren't normally known for a club with, you know, to do those dramatic comebacks. When we win, it's normally a stealthy, professional performance. And this was kind of what you don't really expect from Burnley. I know it's hard to summarise, though, Tom, but how was you feeling when that second goal went in? Yeah, incredible feeling. It was, uh, like you say, it's not very often that we score late goals. I think it was a start. I'm trying to find it now. I shared it with you guys uh, not so long ago. It was, um, oh, here it is. So, previous 73 league games, we got three goals in the final 10 minutes of, the, of them games. So, it's not often that we score late goals. You know, it's not often that we get late winners. We've seen this season, you know, Leeds and Everton popping up with last-minute winners, you know, the real kicks in the teeth. And, uh, you know, as, as that game sort of meandered into its conclusion, we were sort of playing Eddie Howe stuff. We were passing it sideways, passing it sideways, and then not looking like we were going to do anything when we got in the final third. Uh, and then we're a brilliant ball from Cork, uh, from Taylor, sorry, great header from Cork. And then everyone around me was losing the race, but I was kind of like, well, let's just, you know, we can get another one here, we can get another one here. And in classic Tom to- style, the car... <laughs> around him uh, so, well it was a gut punch on it for Watford you could see their players thinking oh god here we go again and and our players to be fair as well put a bit between the teeth and then god yeah I mean I absolutely lost my head when that when that winner went in it was just oh what a feeling it, that's why you do it and that's why you trek up and down the motorways and go and watch defeats here you know that's only our second away win of the season but yeah, oh god it was worth waiting for absolutely fantastic what a feeling when that goal went in and obviously the players all run down the opposite end of the you know, all the way to the opposite end. Just bedlam in there. Brilliant. It's one of them great away ends. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic team. Yeah, that's a good word, bedlam, isn't it? Like you said, it was just chaotic in there. I had some, I, I didn't actually see it, but people I was with actually like crowd surfed kind of like over me. I was quite near the back row and some fella just went flying. This was quite a good anecdote. Some, there was like quite a few young lads behind me and, you know, good on them. You know, they were singing their hearts out whilst I was being grumpy, getting on the back a little bit as I tend to do, just with the sea of stress in it. This one lad's had like just a normal shirt on. He chucked it into the, um, into like the melee of the away end. And after the game, he turned to his, his mate and he went, oh, I wish I never did that. I've got, I'm going out in Burnley tonight. It's me on the shirt. <laughs> but that's what football does to you. It's the emotions of it, isn't it, George? And, like you said, I can't imagine oh, some of the stuff that was coming out of your mouth when that goal went in. You're excited and emotional at the best of times. <laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible. It's it's so it, it did all just sort of happen in a blur. It fell back to Browno and then you see him score, and your first instinct instinct is to just go absolutely mad with celebrating. And I'm I'm one for sort of linking arms with the shoulders of the guy next to me and trying to like stand on the seat in front to like properly see everything and, and celebrate and drink it all in. But at the same time, I was sort of just like turning to, to the bloke I was I was standing with and I was just saying, how have we done this? What have we done? What have we done? What have we done? And it was sort of just the sheer disbelief at the same time as, as ecstasy. It was, yeah, like Tom says, that's what you do it for. And I think, I mean, we'll have this discussion. It was probably one of the best away games in the last last decade, you know, since Charlton. I think that's the best away game I've been to in, in terms of... Charlton was kind of like a bit of a party, but I think that raw emotion, George, of when that second goal went in, I, I actually can't remember having a better 
feeling going to an away game of that pure emotion. Um, yeah, you're probably right. And I, I've I, when we talked about it after the game, and you said that, I was thinking, yeah, fair enough. Like if you talk, obviously discount the European trips. I, I you know, I don't think there's not many better than that. Maybe Rovers, um, Rovers when yeah. we beat, we finally beat them, but it's it's well up alongside them. And there's that beautiful poetry of Brownhill's winner and running to the away end was so similar to Super Scotty Arfield. Uh, when we went up the second time. So it was just such a magical moment. And you could tell what it meant to the players. And then obviously the, the full-time scenes, you've not seen that. Obviously, like you say, Charlton was a party. We were already promoted. It was expected, you know, to be staying after the game. But to stay for what seemed like half an hour after just a, in essence, a, a random league league game. Um, I know it meant more to us than that. It was just so special. Yeah, it's like... How long did you stay there till, George? Like, Tom, I was there a good 20 minutes and I think Tom went after me. You know, I seen Tom and his dad walking out. How long was you there for? Yeah, so I, because I was, I was trying to look around to see you guys because I was sort of at the front and towards the right and I sort of just stood on my chair looking around trying to see someone. But I didn't manage to spot you. You were you were up at the top. But we were yeah. there until, because um, because I was on the right, the stewards started to like try and persuade us out. So I was like, he was like, oh, come on come on, let's go with me. And I was like, nah, 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 I'm going this exit to try and get to the left. And then we were sort of just there until the stewards kicked every, every, every last person out. And and still, this was like half an hour after full time and it was still yeah. still seriously loud. And it, it, it seemed to go up again, obviously, that we've got Michael, you know, we've, we've got super Michael Jackson. He came out to do an interview. Question, Tom, it's not much analysis. I, it took me ages to learn the lyrics. That... I was like, we've got Super Michael Jackson. Tacky at the back. And it took me a good while to learn it. Did, did you pick it up quick? Or was you like me, not 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 great with the lyrics? I was all right because I had it in the queue to get in. There was uh, ah, okay. singing it around me because it's only two or three people you can pick it out a bit easier. So, yeah, I got some practicing before kickoff. Yeah, I struggle with that one. Like, what, what are they saying? But I got it in the end. So, listen, we'll try and break down the game. A little bit. Um, so, so Tom, obviously, we didn't start too well. Uh, we, we conceded an early goal. I think it was, obviously, it came off Tarky off the bar. A little bit unlucky. And then we just couldn't really get it going, could we, really, throughout, the, you know, throughout, especially that first half. Yeah, it's quite flat. I suppose uh, when you think of Watford's their record at the minute, um, the fact that they had to win to have any realistic chance of staying up, I mean, they were going to be down anyway, but... They had to come out flying. They're the home team. You expect it. Um, and it was a bit unlucky. I mean, they could have had two or three goals coming in any other ways. There's that one where Foster pings the long ball straight down the middle. And then Pedro, I thought Pedro had a great first half. He really, especially Colin, thought he really played him. Um, and so he, he could have done better with that. They had one or two maybe star shouts for a penalty. Um, a bit lucky with the goal. Obviously, as I say, it's hit the bar and come back and hit Tarkovsky. But they deserve to be in front at half time. Uh, and it was a bit of a worry. I think the biggest worry for me was that we didn't we didn't have a lot on the bench. Obviously, no Corne, Rodriguez coming off in the warm up. Basically, the only sub we had to bring on to, to change the game was was Barnes. And uh, <laughs> well, well, we can come on to Barnes' performance, of course. But at half time, when I'm thinking that that's all we've got to bring on, I wasn't too hopeful. I think the big the first goal was always going to be a big one in that game, and it was uh, it was a bit of a shame that we were so sluggish to start because we have done that well in, uh, in some of the games on the Jets. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of them. It's just frustrating because of how well we played recently. But one one criticism I would have, and it is a small one, listen, God almighty, the form we've had, is that we have started games slowly. And you look at the Southampton game and Romeo 
had that big chance. I thought Wolves, we started sluggishly give the ball away and we didn't get punished. So, fingers crossed we come out on Saturday, you know, with a bit of a higher tempo. Obviously, a key moment for us, George, was in the first half. I thought it's been really good to see McNeil getting back to his best running at defenders. Obviously, we had a penalty um, given. It looked a close one for me. Uh, do you think the right decision was made in the end there? Yeah, you'd, ha- you'd have to say so. But like you say, it's brilliant to see McNeil. I mean, he did so well to... What he's been doing recently is he's he's running at players again. He's re- He really is. Same with Charlie Taylor. The running at players and McNeil just draw through. What must have been like three men to get into that yeah. position. And then and then you could just tell it something was going to happen. There was going to be a trip. And at the time, in real time, you thought, yeah, that's a penalty getting. And then unfortunately, on, on second look, yeah, it, it was just outside the box. And it's one of them where we don't score free kicks anyway. And then the likelihood of us scoring a free kick after you've had that deflating moment of, oh, it's not a penalty. It was no surprise to see uh, mm. as just a scuff shot at the end of it. So, like, you know, I mean, before we look at the rest of the game, obviously, McNeil's been a real hot topic this season. We've had, obviously, a, a few different opinions. I think whatever we can, whatever we look at, he's definitely playing with more intensity and just generally playing better under Jackson. What do you think that is, George? Do you think he's giving more effort? Or do you think he's just got a bit more confidence uh, back in his stability? I reckon it's confidence and, and a bit of tactics. I think... What, I think we sort of did, touched on this a bit last week when we were talking about Dice leaving, in that Dice's like go-to thing when we were struggling was to you know really build up that resilient defence again, get those draws on the board, and you know you go from there. And I think with McNeil, what is sort of referred to in his, his press in his pref, his interviews is that there was maybe too much of an emphasis on his defensive side of his game, which then sort of dampened his confidence going forward because in the back of your mind you're thinking, oh, but what about what about I'm leaving my space open over there and whatnot? And it just seems that Jackson's just said to him, look, you go and, and do do what you do because you're a maverick on the ball. Every team needs a good maverick and just go go forward. And you could see that in the in the penalty shout in that McNeil was driving in off that wing and basically just dancing his merry way to wherever he wanted to go. Um, but yeah, it's been brilliant to see, hasn't it? And he's always the kind of player you can tell when he's, he's feeling low and his head drops. It's just one of them. He's a confidence player. And if you're playing well, it all only leads to more good good performances. Yeah, I think with McNeil, it's, it, it's been really good to see him getting back to his best and equally frustrating, knowing that you've had such a good player who's underperformed for so much of the season. But fingers crossed he can take that, um, his, you know, his form into the second half. Uh, sorry, into the next few games remaining. So, so we went into half-time, 1-0 down. Think about 60 minutes. We, you know, as Tom mentioned before, we brought Barnes off the bench and he made a really good impact, didn't he, Tom? Yeah, he was fantastic. We were talking about that Vegos before. Um, I think he's been quite underwhelming, really, since he came in. Uh, I think it's just what you got from Barnes in this game that you didn't get from Vegos was that he just put himself about a lot more. <clears throat> I thought Vegos was just so easy to play against. You know, we know that he likes it into his feet uh, and he's better if he's got time, you know, to come a bit deeper in turn. But I think partly because it was Vidra up there with him, um, you, you know, naturally, if someone's going to come back and, and hold that ball up out of them too, it's going to be Vegos. Um, I think that and the fact that you know the Watford defenders are up for a scrap, he just didn't get into the game at all. And when he when I, when he was making that sub, I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, we've not got much out of Vegas today, but Barnes, you know, Barnes. Yeah, I think Barnes is best days along behind him, but he was actually really good, best he's played I think for a while. Uh, he just did what he does, you know, niggly, getting in people's faces, aggressive, uh, and the, I think the the major complaint that we had in the Norwich game was 
Norwich just seemed to want it more than us. And uh, I think especially when Barnes came on, there was there's nobody who wants it more than, than him. Um, you know, that header that comes back off the bar, he does really well to get onto that. He's really unlucky. Uh, he does the classic Barnes fall over for the, the free kick, at least the second goal. Uh, and yeah, the, the team just had a bit more about him with him leaving the line. So uh, yeah, fair play because it was quite a big call, I would say, to to bring him on and to bring him on that early as well. Um, but he showed that he's still got a part to play, perhaps, and he's still got a bit of work. So fair play to him. Yeah, it wasn't a sub that I particularly liked at the time. I thought, you know, we got half an hour out, half an hour left here. We 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 really need to win this game. In in my opinion, I didn't think a draw was enough. Obviously, you'd have took a draw when you were. One nil down with ten minutes to go, and I thought, you know, maybe we're going to change something four three three. I know Jackson likes playing that formation with their youth team. Maybe put McNeil more central. Lennon was really ineffective on Saturday. He worked hard as he always does, but he didn't get into the game. But like I said, fair play to Jackson, and obviously Vegas wasn't happy. See him, he trudged off the other side of the field. And I know Tom, you're you're, you're not convinced on Vegas so far. You know. I think with Vegas, he kind of he does some stuff that he thinks really good, and other other things that makes you look really average. And I'm kind of one 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 thing that concerns me a little bit is he looks snatchy in front of goal at, at times, and obviously that's a big difference between the Premier League and the Bundesliga. But hopefully, you know, with a good preseason, he can you know he, he can he can get himself fit. Then obviously moving on to like I mentioned for around I think it's eighty eight around eighty minutes we scored, and it was a really good goal, wasn't it, George? 83, yeah, so it was a really good goal, really well worked. And I think Tom was mentioning before, you said he was getting a little bit frustrated, you know, maybe sideways balls, but I don't mind that, you know, trying to work a position rather than just aimless hoof balls. I think that's something that's definitely changed. It was a really well worked goal, wasn't it, George? And fantastic to see Cork at the end of it. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I, I was saying to the people around me, I was saying all day, we've been second best here. Watford, we've, we've, we literally hadn't laid a punch on them. We'd had one pseudo penalty, you know, which was obviously given against us in the end. And we just, we didn't, we didn't create anything. We weren't laying a glove on them. Like Tom says, we were much better when Barnes came on. We were getting more into the game physically. I think he's been brilliant the last two games against Wolves. He was really good. But then he was coming on in a different position, you know, trying to defend a 1-0 lead. But I, I thought he adapted well to this game and really got us on the front foot. And I'd, I'd just been screaming because, you know, we were getting into the last 80 minutes. And like you, Rich, I was thinking, we need a win here. We really need a win. I was screaming, just get the ball into the box. Just get the ball into the box. And finally, someone stepped forward and Taylor, he does so well getting down that left wing. And he gets a ball in the box, no matter where he's where he's heading, whether he's right down in the corner flag and he's facing, facing west or if he's facing east, he gets it right into the mixer. And so good to see Cork just running into the box and that, that classic diving header that he did at Preston away back in, well, it must have been 2000... A long time ago, yeah. 2011, yeah. yeah. It's just, in my mind, I absolutely love it because he was one of my favourite... I think he's my favourite ever lawn player when, when he first joined us. And to see he's still making an impact in 2022, it's just it's remarkable, really. And, I mean, we've seen the form that the team plays in when Cork's in the team. It's just night and day. He's such a Rolls Royce of a midfielder, and to see him getting on the end of it, I was just buzzing for him more than anything. And then, and then, yeah, and then we kicked on, didn't we? And we looked promising and we looked ambitious. Yeah, we looked like we wanted it then, didn't we? It was like, right, we've got this goal, and I think Cork's reaction was 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 brilliant. You seen that picture? I think the Premier League's put it on the cover photo when he's doing like a little joyous ten-year-old uh, jump in the air. You know, I don't want this to be a you know a 
you know, we're die slagging off podcast by any means. But Tom, it is baffling when you see how well Cork's been playing that. He's spent most of his season getting splinters on the bench, isn't it? Yeah, like uh, I've said before, you know, I think I don't think he was the Dyche was the major problem. And you think maybe if they'd have given him some money and, and been able to buy uh, another midfielder, things would be different. But it's it's just so obvious to everybody, apart from Dyche, apparently that Cork should have been in that midfield. And you know, by that, you know, you can't say that he was making the best of what he had available either. So yeah, in that sense, yeah, the midfield just the team looks calmer, doesn't it? The other players look better. Brown yeah. looks so much better next to Cork. Um, I think Westwood, and obviously he's coached this way as well, but Westwood's instinct is to get rid of it as soon as he gets it. And I think Court just calms it down. Like you say, you know, uh, a bit more patient build-up, just waiting to pick the pass. I don't mind that so much as long as it's leading to something. So, yeah, the team definitely was better and the results are uh, the results are reflecting that. So, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? I, I've been thinking this before. Obviously, Westwood's injury now is out for the season. I wonder if that had happened three or four games prior. You know, would would Dash still be in now? It's making you wonder. It's interesting, isn't it? And I thought, do you know what? I actually, I know it's a while ago now, but I thought Westwood actually looked really good in that game at West Ham before he went off injured. He, he was actually trying to get on the ball more. We know that's another story for another day. Just sticking with you, Tom. Do you think? Do you think Cork scores that goal against Watford with Dice in the team? Do you think he's arriving at the back post in that? In, in the die structure. Obviously, we talked about a lot of the lads have mentioned the word freedom now. I know it's late on in a game and, you know, you, you want to get bodies forward, but not at any time this season have you seen our kind of like midfielders really getting into the box in those positions. Now, the midfield weren't scoring with the underdice. So that stat that I read earlier, you know, uh, three last-minute goals in the last two seasons or whatever, three last ten-minute goals. Uh, and I think as well, if Dyche is still in Mandra, even if somehow Cork had appeared in the box to, to equalise, I think then we should, we should up shop and we play for the one all, don't we? I don't think we're going for the winner yeah. there. So, yeah, again, that's, you know, again, and again, I don't want to sit, you know, we don't want to sit in there just slagging Dyche off, but there were things he could have improved and that's certainly one of them. Um, and that was good to see. It, it, there was a real belief, I think, that when we got that first one, we were going to get that second one. And I don't think it would have been the same if, uh, if Dyche had still been here for sure. Yeah, listen, and you know, I just want to say, listeners, it's, it's definitely not a slagging off Dyche. You know, there's got there's three people on this podcast who massively, massively appreciate, and you know, us three are pretty young Burnley supporters, really. Obviously, George being the youngest, and he's given us the most amazing times of, of our life. And I'm sure probably post season we will do a Dyche legacy podcast. I think that would be really good, but it's just important to obviously. It's been very noticeable, um, you know, those tweets, hasn't it, in terms of the stats and the difference. I know Sky Sports um, on Monday Night Football did, obviously, a bit of analysis. Our XG's gone up, our shots on target's gone up, our, our possession stats have gone up, passes completed, long passes has gone down. So it has been quite nice, um, you know, to see the change. We've all mentioned before, um, about the celebrations. Listen, we can analyse the goal, really. It was a bit of a scrappy, nice little finish from Brownhill. Maybe I'm disservicing him there, but... Um, and obviously, quite con- contentious. I don't really bother too much about this stuff, but Roy Keane's obviously come on, as any George, kind of saying that Burnley were over the top with the celebrations, etc. Do you think he's got a point there? Or do you think he's talking rubbish? Yeah, I, I don't really... I don't really care. Like, I actually, I really like Roy Keane, so I'm not, not too bothered about bashing him. You know, in in a cold light of day, you could say, well, let's be honest, look at the table now. You know, things are far from done, you know. But at the same time, just celebrate the winner. It was absolutely m- magical. 
I mean, I really, I was really impressed with what Brownell said after the game. Actually, he, he revealed that when we scored the first goal, and everyone, and this is sort of playing into, you know, at least he's touching on Roy Keane's point. He said all the other lads were like, you know, like celebrating, like like mad. You know, it was a, an incredible moment. But he, he just, he was the first one. He said to go and grab the ball and say to everyone, "We can win this. We can go and win this." So you know, I thought that showed real character from Brownell. And then you could just tell what it meant to him when he when he slotted that ball home and then ran to the away end because, you know, his friends and family were in there. Uh, I saw a few pictures on social media afterwards and it was just one of those one of those moments that will live long in the memory, uh, just just exactly like Scotty Arfield. It, it's remarkable how similar the goals were. The ball sort of just popping into the box, knocked down, then it's, it's sort of scrapping yeah. around and then knocked back and then just a side-footed finish. He didn't catch it quite as well as Arfield, but every goal counts, eh? Yeah, Foster was a bit like Tin Man getting 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 down when he. <laughs> but no, he's a good lad. He's brown. He's and I think he's someone who I'll always you listen. He's not an Andrea Pirlo, is he? And he can be frustrating at times. He does give easy ball away, but I don't think you can knock someone really who gives absolute literally everything every time they put the Burnley shirt on. And brown is that, and I think he's getting better all the time. And hopefully we stay in the Premier League and you know maybe get somebody else to play with him. And I, I think he's going to develop into a good player. Um, I put a like a little graphic into the group before, and this highlights just how amazing the form has been. Obviously, we all know that Mike Jackson's got 10 points from 12, could have been 12 out of 12 if Corne put the pen. And in the last six games, games, Tom, we're currently four, uh, we're fourth in the form table. You know, I remember doing these podcasts saying, you know, just to have any chance, we've got to have Champions League form, and that's not going to happen, is it? And here we are, you know, we're in this position now where you know, yeah, we're disappointed that, you know, that Everton got that win, but, you know, we're still 16th in the league and, you know, fourth in the form table. It's been unbelievable, hasn't it? Yeah, phenomenal. I think um, the the fixtures have been what you'd want, I think, if you might, Jackson, coming into four four games that were, you know, you could get points from. We've probably done it at the right time in that, you know... But we've not won those games up high, shall we? No. Right, yeah, you're right, absolutely. That's no slight on him, I think. I'd just say they are winnable games, but you've still got to go and win them, and like you say, we haven't been doing that. So, he's obviously, yeah, he's got something from somewhere, has to, like you said, to send that form around. Um, yeah, and it's just put, it's put us in a really good position now. It's, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, spend, I don't know about you guys now. I spend pretty much every waking moment of my life thinking about what, Everton and Leeds remaining fixtures are and who's going to get, what points are they going to get from this, what points are they going to get from that, are we going to win the next two or... I know it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost, I know it shouldn't do, but, and I'm going to sound a bit negative, when Everton got that win, it just took the gloss off it that little bit, didn't it really? Because you think, God, he beat Chelsea, a goal, you know, Everton are scrapping for their lives down there and you think, you know, their own form, even though they do lack quality at Everton, you know, the home form could take them over the line and you Jesus, all of a sudden, we absolutely thought, well, Leeds are out of it. So it's an Everton, and all of a sudden, they're the favourites for relegation. And it can just turn so quickly. And yeah, I'm finding myself at the moment just like, I want to say it's constantly on the mind, but it's just niggling away at me. And when I'm driving home from work, I'm thinking about it. And, you know, if they have a minute in school at break time, I'm thinking about it and stuff like that. Are you the same then, George? It's just kind of just consuming you a little bit. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? And like you say, it's it proper ruined my Sunday. That I mean, we we had plans to sort of maybe do the podcast on Sunday night, but that that was absolutely out the window after Everton. Yeah, it did ruin your day a little bit, didn't it? That's how sad it is. Completely, you know, because it's... because it's 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 not just the one game. It's it's the fact that 
you know, Everton went all out for, oh, let's go wave our flags, ooh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they, you know, they all turned up hours early and you just thought, there's, there's so much pressure on them to win. If they lost this, it would be absolutely heartbreaking for that entire club. And it would really, really put one nail into into the four four nailed yeah. coffin. You know, they, they really would be struggling. But then you look you look at it now and you just think they've taken that momentum, they've shown that the crowd being there makes an impact. They've got winnable home games to come. Not only that, they've got Watford away to come, and Watford away is is essentially a home game for any club at this point. And you just think, blast, that's gonna be a really an annoying result. And it's just one of them. It's one of them where they played United and Chelsea recently, both clubs who have got absolutely no to play for in the grand scheme of things, and they've completely they can't they? Then they, they they've, 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 yeah, they've rolled, they've rolled over and had the bellies tickled, and it's just annoying, it really is. Yeah, it's, and it's and and it's this stage of the season. Listen, at the end of the day, it's in our own hands, but we're we're not going to win twelve, get twelve points from twelve. I think in the fixtures to come, you know, we might do because you never know, but. It, it is unlikely, especially to play Tottenham away. And at this stage of the season, Tom, you 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 know you can't just look at yourself, can you? With four or five games to go, you know, other teams' results really do matter at this stage of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you've got you've got to be like you said. We're, we're probably not going to get twelve points out of twelve. So then you start thinking, well, what can we realistically get? And you'd say you could see us. I'm not saying we definitely will, but you could see us winning the two home games and then maybe picking up a point away out of them two away games. And then you start thinking, right, well, what have Leeds got left? They've got Chelsea and Arsenal. And then, uh, is it Brian at home and Brentford away? I think the last two games. That's their Tough winnable. games. Even they're two tough, tough yeah, though, aren't they? Tough, but winnable, for sure. You'd, I think you'd say, if you're being realistic, you could probably see Leeds getting six points from the last four, which Leeds us needing two wins to be safe, which I think is doable. Um, and then sign a similar if you look at Everton's fixtures, probably could see them get three wins from them last five. Maybe, you know, again, that's probably maybe leaning towards the generous side, but you could see that happening. And then so that would yeah. mean we'd need two wins in a draw, which is doable. I think. I think I, go on. I, you mentioned six points. I think five does it with a goal difference with Leeds. Mm. I think five, I think a, a win in two. Realistically, like six points in two games for four games, it's a lot. It is a lot yeah, yeah. when teams are average. Like you, I know funny things happen in a relegation battle, like it's happened with us. But you look at Leeds fixtures. Are they, you know, are they going to average more than a point a game? Well, they have done so you far know. under Marsh. They've been really good, apart from that one well, City but, game. They've been, they've been, they've been in brilliant form. Yeah, it's, this is what I mean. It's really difficult. And then you look at Everton's home fixtures. Yeah, you're right. You know, they're doing really well at home and you think Watford, but they've actually only got six points away from home all season. And, you know, which is an awful record. And I just want to try and bring a bit of positivity to go. The way we are, we're 16th in the league. We've got to have two teams to be better than us, which, you know, we're, we're Leeds coming back in. It does give it a chance. And, it's a, it's, an, it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because I think everybody's saying that Saturday is a must win. And I think if we do win on Saturday, it's a really, really, we are in a strong position. And then you're just hoping on Sunday, again, results do go your way with the two clubs having tough away games, especially Leeds. But who knows at the end of the season, a point might be a good result depending on the way it goes. Everyone was saying like Leicester and Brentford were must wins and we ended up losing them too. Imagine what them two points would have done for us now. If we, if you know, if we had another two points on the board, so 
this is the really difficult situation, isn't it? And why we're looking at the table and people are trying to analyse it and, you know, and different things like that. If I was to try and take my heart out of it, if I was a betting man, I'm going to go Everton will come 16th, we'll come 17th and Leeds will come 18th just on the basis of their fixtures. And I think we'll get five points from the remaining games and I think that'll keep us up. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll tell you oh, one thing yeah. that I've not seen many people talking about. It'd be interesting to see what you guys think. Um, if you look just slightly up from us now, um, mm, I did have a look. Six points above us, three and out. Brentford, I think, will be okay. Brent, we'll, we, we could do with Brentford winning a couple, really, because they've, they've still got um, Everton and Leeds to play, obviously. I was chatting to a Brentford fan on Monday. I was up in Manchester. I was chatting to a lad that knows sports Brentford, and he was worried they were going to lose all four games and get sucked into it. But so it's Brentford v Southampton on Saturday, right? Southampton and Brentford both on 40 points. Now, let's say Southampton lose at Brentford. It's possible. You know, Brentford are going quite well. Um, Southampton's last two games, Liverpool at home, Leicester away. And we've got a game in hand on him. You could, you, and, you know, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you could certainly see Southampton losing all three of them last three games and us winning a couple and finishing above them as well. So uh, I think uh, that's another thing that if we do get a win at Villa, it does... You know, drags a couple more into it then, even potentially. What's Southampton's goal difference out of interest? Is it worse than ours? Two worse, two worse <laughs> than us. It's two worse than us at the current obviously. Yeah. Listen, it's unlikely, isn't it? Of of course, but yeah, it's reasonably possible. And I think when we go and do the podcast this time next week, the table could look completely different again, couldn't it? And you know, I f- it's just really one of them, like. Everton, I don't know, it's kind of, it's really difficult and you can get yourself worked up and stressed about how many points. I think as fans, you always feel the worst. You think, well, they can go and win there, they can go and win there, but I don't think there's any easy games in the Premier League really anymore, other than Norwich, which we've only got one point from. But you've seen Watford on, on Saturday. Watford staff, you know, they genuinely played well. And as Tom mentioned earlier, they've got Jao Pedro, they've got Dennis, they've got Sa, they've got a really good front three that will cause Everton, you know, problems in that game. And I think that's their game in hand, isn't it? So, and one thing, you know, Everton's got, I think, Arsenal away the last game of the season. So, you know, it's, it's going to, you know we've, we've got Newcastle at home. We don't know what Newcastle are going to turn up. One thing I will say is, some of these big teams have gone to Goodison Park and folded. I think teams like, actually, like Brentford will actually have more fight going there. I don't know why. I just think that, you know, they'll, they'll just... Kind of just give it a little bit more game than these some of these prima donnas going there, uh, being scared by Rich Allison and all his antics. But go on, Tom. So they can't be any worse than Chelsea were on Sunday. Absolutely poor, tired. wouldn't they? Really yeah. poor. You know, you know that goal as Pelaqueta giveaway. I was like, Jesus. And I think Everton's had a little bit of rubber green at the moment. You know, they've. You know, I do agree with what Tom was saying. I think overall they did deserve to win, but the big moments have gone for them. You know, in games, you know, deflected goal against United at nil-nil, deflected goal against Leicester, deflected goal, uh, sorry, a mistake against Chelsea, two softish penalties against us. You know, maybe they could have had one with Gordon, but, you know, just I'd say that that look may change a little bit. I think it's gone in our favour a little bit more recently, to be fair to. Yeah, that, the one that was the most annoying for me was uh, Mason Mount shot coming off both posts and bouncing out. Oh, oh yeah. you see that? That's one in, one in a million. It's the post, beats the keeper, it's the other post. And to be fair, Pickford does phenomenally well to save the follow-up, Johnny. But uh, what are the odds of that? That was, that was no. one that we really I was up celebrating me. I was like fist pumping, like, get in. But yeah, 
I think, um, like, you know, a few of uh, you know, the Chelsea gods looked down on Lampard in that game, really. But listen, we'll part that for now, uh, you know, the, the, the guessing. But, you know, what I will say is, Claret, stay positive. Let's make the turf an unbelievable atmosphere on Saturday. I know we will do. Um, yeah, so let's just keep getting behind the lads and, you know, getting behind Mike Jackson and, you know, in the team. So moving away from matters on the pitch, turning to a couple of key uh, matters um, off the pitch. So the first one is Jay Rodriguez signing a new two-year uh, contract extension. Obviously, we all know we've got a lot of players out of contract. Um, so I think that's good news, isn't it, George, that one? Yeah, buzzing with that one. I can say, George, you're turning into a young Jay Rodriguez, aren't you, with that slip-back haircut? Yeah, looking, so you are looking like your idol there. Is he your long-lost brother, do you think? I wish. Just just wait till you see me on a six-a-side pitch from our Rodriguez 19 show. Oh, hey, we need to have a six-a-side uh, known in every team. And then maybe once people see us play, they'll think you cannot slag Josh Brownell off for giving the ball away again. <laughs> yeah, they'll be thinking even Dale Stevens looks good these days. But no, I'm, I'm, yeah, delighted. Yeah. I'm delighted yeah. J-Rod staying. Like I you know, referred to before, I mean, when we went when we first went down uh, under Brian Laws, gosh, those were the days. Uh, when we first went down, you know, the key part of that team to try and bring us straight back up was Jack Cork and Jay Rodriguez. And here we are, 11 years on, and they're both still playing quite a big big role for the club. It's, it's nice to see. And, you know, like, like we did talk about earlier, we thought Val really struggled at the weekend. Uh, alongside Vidra, didn't get into the game, but I really do like the Vegos and Rodriguez partnership. I think they play well off each other, uh, and I and I like Vidra coming off the bench. You know, I think he really really does make an impact. So I think J Rod's definitely still got a role to play. And you know what? I, I take I, I, I take issue with people who go, "Oh, he's past it." And I'm like, "Well, no," because essentially, what are you trying to tell me? He's lost because he's not lost any pace because he's not had any pace since he's big uh, injuries whilst he was playing for Southampton. So he's not lost that because that's been gone for half a decade. He's not lost his jump. You know, he's still he's still as good in the air as, as, as he's always been since, you know, he's turned into this m- more built player since his big injuries. So I just don't see what people are trying to say about his past it. He's never been like a prolific goal scorer. So I still think he's got a big role to play for us. And you can tell, you know, what it means for him playing for the club. And it, and it means a lot for fans to see an academy player playing for the club. He's a big role model for for the youth to look to look to, you know, and in England international and still playing for the club some 13, 14 years after his first after he first broke through. Yeah, well said, George. But so going off the end points that you made there, maybe to play devil's advocate a little bit, is it too sentimental for us to give Jay a contract, uh, Tom? And you know, do we need to start looking at? I'm not saying turn the model up, but you know. You know, maybe start being a sentimental with you know with these players and start bringing in some some new life into the squad. Yeah, that's, that's probably been part of the problem the last few years that there's players who who were keeping a bit longer than we should be. You know, obviously this year he's had another contract; he's not played at all. I think uh, Lennon bringing him back was a little bit desperate, perhaps uh, Barnes as well. Well, I think the thing for me is I think you've got to give one of. Rodriguez, Barnes, or Vidra in your contract because you don't want to have someone bringing in three new strikers. Um, obviously, there's only Vegas who's under contract in the summer, and I think out of the three, um, I'd, I'd probably prefer to keep Vidra, but I don't think there's any chance that he's going to sign a new deal. Um, so if it's if it's a, a choice between Rodriguez and Barnes, and for me, I think you need to to tie at least one of them down for another couple of years, just so 
we're not chopping and changing too much in the summer because it's already going to be a big a big transitional summer. We're already going to have to spend a lot of money um, to freshen the squad up. So uh, it makes sense to keep one of them. And I think for me, I'd be keeping Rodriguez out of the two. Um, you know, he's he's not me on massive wages. He's not likely to be kicking up a fuss around the place if he's uh, he's not starting every week. So yeah, it makes sense to me. But uh, as much as I'd give him the contract, I'd prefer that he wasn't one of the starting strikers next season. I think that's a position that we need an upgrade in. Yeah, I think it's one of them with Jay, isn't it? I think really good points made. I think if in the Premier League next season, I think he's a really good squad player. Like Tom said, he'll have a good attitude around the place. He'll be a leader. I think he'll help in, integrate all the new players into the team. But at the same time, if we do go down, obviously with the financial situation, which we're going to come on to, I think it's, a, you know, when I, I, I think he'll, he's got a lot to, uh, to offer at championship level and I think he'll score more goals. So I'm happy for Jay to say, um, and it's going to be really interesting who, who is going to stay, stay and who's going to go. I'm sure a lot will be decided depending on what league we are in. And moving on to what league we are in, obviously the final part of the podcast is looking at the accounts that I've got revealed. I My knowledge is quite limited on, on this. It's not something, and I'm, I'm, to be quite honest with you, I don't want to sound ignorant. It's not something I particularly find the most interesting looking through accounts and, and, and bank statements and, and stuff like stuff like that, um, but at the same time, it, it's very important. Um, we all knew the potential implications of of what this leverage buyout was, and I think it nothing's really changed for me. Obviously, if we go down, I won't say it's a disaster, but it doesn't put the club in a good position. Um, but obviously, if we stay up, I, I think the club can continue to be healthy. And why it's you know it's not just about staying in the Premier League these last four games. There's obviously a lot of financial implications um, to it as well. So, Tom, I'll come to you on this one. Is is your view changing anything? Is anything major more positive about it, or, or has anything worried you even more than you initially thought about the takeover? No, I think broadly, sort of what we were expecting and what we were sort of aware of before. Obviously, a leverage buy is not not a good thing. There's no there's no point pretending that it's good that money's been taken out of the club and debt has been put onto the club. You know, that's it's not good. Of course, that, that's that's never going to be the case. But I think some of the the sort of I think some of the, the you know the reporting about oh if we go down we've got to pay a significant quote unquote significant chunk of the loan off. I think people are making it sound like that we're suddenly going to have to pull two hundred pound two hundred million pound out from somewhere. You know, it, it, the loan is sixty seven million I think isn't it? we're paying the interest on it. If say if what's the significant chunk of that? I don't know. Let's say it's. I think you said sixty-five million, didn't it? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah half the full of that. loan. I think yeah. Half. So, half, yeah. Let's say half of that then. So of course, like 32, 33 million. What would you get for Corn if you sold him? Twenty-five? Do you think? What would you get for Pope if you sold him? Ten or fifteen? You paid the loan off, haven't you? Straight away. I mean, it's obviously, it's not good that that we'd have to sell players, but let's be let's be realistic. If we get relegated. Players like Pope, Corne, they're going to leave anyway. We've still got money in the back from Wood and got Greg Austin as his replacement too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Cheap on it. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, what it would do is, is it hamper our ability to come back up, sure. And like, that's not good, obviously. You, you'd rather have, you'd rather, I mean, if you look at what Fulham have done, they've got a centre forward down there on £100 million a week. The uh, million pound a week, sorry, come on, for Mitch, Mitch. He's decent, yeah. but, but yeah, sorry, yeah, he's, but he's on obviously he's on more than any of our players are on, um, and it makes it easy, you know, they've come back up easily because they can still afford to pay that money. And what it would do, I think, is it would hinder our ability to do that, so it would make it more difficult to come up, especially now. 
you know, it's a bit of a gamble in the summer anyway because it's going to be a new manager, a new playing style, et cetera, et cetera, a big turnover in the squad. Whereas maybe if we'd have gone down with Dar still in charge, you'd, you'd be a bit more confident about us coming straight back up. But I think in, in terms of looking at it as some sort of financial, you know, apocalypse, I just don't see it myself because the, the numbers that we're talking about, you know, and they've said in, in the um, accounts, you know, player sales will have to be used to cover that. And it's like, well, yeah, but I mean, last time we came down, we sold things, Trippier, Shackle, and we, we didn't get much money for him, but we, we had to sell players when we came down last time. Anyway, when you get really out of that league, you tend to lose your best players. That's just how it is. And that money, as far as I can see, that money would cover the debt. So I'm not that worried about that. It's just obviously the fact that it's a leveraged buyout. It's not a good thing. What we have to ask ourselves is, are the qualities that we're getting with the new owners, are they worth taking on this debt? Uh, you know, the, the, the transfer activity is a bit more ambitious. They're a bit more willing to maybe push the boat out a little bit in terms of finances, looking at growing revenue streams off the pitch. Uh, we're still, still in the early days of that. So I think the jury's out on that. And maybe if if the club does get sold on for more money, if they turn into a bit more of a profit, profit-making thing, then it might work out okay. But what I would say is... I, reading these reports i'm not worried about you know are we going to be in league two like bolton in 10 years because the sums that are being talked about to me just don't add up to that so it's not like i say not a good thing but i'm not too worried yet and if we retain premier league status then it looks like everything carries on pretty much on kidora so <laughs> touch wood that uh, magic <laughs> might continue the, the, the revolution no. yeah really wise words to tom george i'll let you have your say really just on it as well can't really say much after that can you it's very sensible very wise uh, very astute. Uh, I think I think that's I think that's calm, calmed my nerves. You know, like like Tom said, it's not a good thing really. And I think you know, I think there's a lot of uh, there's been some condescension from from the owners towards the fans. You know, since day one really saying, "Oh, we should be proud of how this takeover was done and all that." Right? Well, you know, not really. Um, but at the same time, like like Tom says, you know, not going to get really worried yet. Let's hope they've been managing the finances sensibly so far. You know word of you know um managing the finances as though we're already on a championship budget that's promising to hear um and i think that'd offer security you know in the time being because we're not a club that's going to guarantee premier league football every season as we've shown this this year but you know hopefully we can carry on the form that we've had recently and and it, you know if it comes in the summer and we're still in the premier league then it's all hunky dory and we can kick on new manager but I do think it's going to be a real, really big transitional summer either way because we are going to have a new manager. This squad's literally well, the squad and the training, in it. And the, well, the squad and the training ground is literally just Sean Dyche's imprint on the club, like completely. Yeah. So it's a big job on. It's going to be a big transition, and I think I think any hope of oh, let's get Knutson in and then let and then we'll be challenging for Europe next year. You know, let's just temper our expectations a bit. I think most people are realistic with that, George. Andy. I've not seen many people say we're going to stay up and challenge for you. You, you. you know, you never know in in life, do you? I think. I think we. My issue is with it, and obviously, like you mentioned there, George, are we going to listen? Hopefully, we are. Hopefully, I'm all doing this podcast when I'm eighty-five, and we're still in the Premier League, and we've had fifty, you know, sixty years. But is is this going to be the risk every single year? Again, this is my maybe a lack of knowledge, is it? Or will it get to a certain point with the, with the Premier League money where we pay off these loads and if we go down, it doesn't matter? That's So say like if we're in this position this time next year, are we going to have the same risk? And that, I don't know if any of you two can answer that. It's a, it's a bit of a question for me that I've got really. 
Yeah, so the it said in the accounts that the loan is, is due uh, 2025. So I think we pay £8 million a year interest on the loan um, and it becomes payable in 2025. And then obviously at that point, you can perhaps renegotiate the terms or whatever. But And obviously you've got three years then to, to plan for it and budget for it. And it's if we get relegated within them three years that we start having to pay it back at a much accelerated rate. So that's where the worry kicks in. But you'd think in if we stay in the league for the next three years, the money that we're getting from that, et cetera, it should be, it should be manageable. Yeah. You should be able to do that in a manageable and sensible way, you'd hope, anyway. And there's dominoes to be fallen, though. If we do go down, there's apparently a similar clause for if we didn't go straight back up. So they'd bring more of the extra, let's say, 35 million still to pay off. That would then come forward and... And uh, a, a large portion of that would need paying off, you know, instantly. So it's, you know, it's a series of unfortunate events if, if we do go down, potentially. Yeah, it's, listen, I think it just highlights the importance of these four games, doesn't it? Um, you know, they're absolutely, they're, you know, the massive both on and off the pitch. And that's why we need the fans, you know, to do their job. Obviously, you know, the players are fighting. One thing I'll say about pace, you know, I can't work him out. If I'm being honest, uh, that's my honest truth of it. Obviously, there's a lot of fans who just seem to love him. Um, you know, it's fair enough. You know, he, he does talk well. I can't argue with that. Maybe that's me being cynical, the, you know, the type of person I am. I don't really trust people that easily, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'm not, maybe that's a stain on my character, but he's not done anything for me to really, you know, for him to trust me. I think his silence has been... You, you know, has been quite deafening, really, hasn't it? Since he sat Daesh, uh, you know, he's he's happy to come on Twitter when we sign a player, but when he, I'd have liked for him to have kind of, and listen, all the all the kind of lack of media stuff from players and from the club since Dice's sacking has been very very strange itself, which indicates maybe something has happened and all that's hearsay and speculation. But what I would say about Pace is I'll give him a lot of respect. He's obviously made a massive call. Uh, to sound less academic, he's shown a lot of balls to do that. Um, and ultimately, I don't think, you know, despite what Roy Keane said, I don't think we would have got 10 points from these four games. Um, you know, and ultimately, I think there's a little bit of luck that the kind of might, I don't think it's just Mike Jackson, I think it's because we've got a lot of good senior pros in the team too. And obviously, Ben Meehan, you've seen Bardsley's celebration, and, you know, they've, they've obviously really come together. and you know, they seem to be enjoying the full, the right time of the season. So, well, that's one thing I will respect him of is, um, you know, it is for making that bold call because, because listen, there's been so much backlash, hasn't there, on Twitter and social media and, you know, and, and whatnot. So, listen, let's just see how the next four games go. Let's look forward to Aston Villa. Hopefully it's a nice day at the turf. You know, we've been blessed with a little bit of good weather recently watching the football. So, listen, we'll look forward and, George, I come to you. What Just nice and quick score prediction. For Saturday, um, we'll get on the front foot again. We we've got that confidence. We've got the wind in our sails. I'm going to say two 0 And you know, like Tom said earlier, you know, there's teams that could be dragged into this. Aston Villa have got a pretty decent goal difference, but you know, if, if we do beat them, beat them on Saturday, and we go up three points, f- three points behind them, they'll be getting some uh, some itchy backsides, mm-hmm. especially with us going to Villa Park uh, in the near future. So two 0 for me. Tom? Yeah, we've been speaking uh, about teams on this podcast. We've been speaking about teams who just don't look that bothered. You know, you're on the beach a little bit. I think Wolves were the classic example that we played a couple of weeks ago. And if you look at Villa's form, they're probably similar. So 
I think that they're the, that's winnable. If we go, if we can get into that game, get the first goal, I can see us going on to win, and that will be an absolutely huge three points. So, yeah, I'll say I'll, I'll say two one. I'll be a little bit more uh, cautious than George. Yeah, I'm going to go two 0 I agree with George. I don't know why. I like, I might be listening. <laughs> Again, we 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 don't have a club. I've just got a feeling that this will be a little bit more comfortable on Saturday. I'm saying that it'd be absolutely horrendous, won't it? <laughs> They're absolutely nerve biting. So hopefully Gerard wants Everton relegated and he kind of Danny goes through on the counter attack and he runs on the pitch and uh, legs him up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm going two 0 And like you said, looking forward to Saturday. You know, now we're recording this on Wednesday night. Let's get the next couple of days done in work and you know look forward to Saturday's game. Um, so yeah, I just want to say obviously massive thanks to George and to Tom for coming on the podcast. Um, you know, and a massive thanks, of course, goes to our listeners uh, for tuning in. Uh, George Gaskell uh, for the music, producer Matt, uh, obviously for doing his magic, obviously putting all our Zoom chats together and editing it out. Uh, but yeah, this uh, I've been Richard Steele, and this has been the No Name Ever podcast. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.